everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today for a part two conversation with Dr. Tamara Rozier. Dr. Rozier is the founder of the ADHD Center of West Michigan, where she and her staff work with individuals with ADHD and their families to learn strategies and develop new skills to live effectively with ADHD. Dr. Rozier is also the president of the ADHD Coaches Organization and is the author of the book, Your Brain's Not Broken, Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions and Life with ADHD. Welcome back, Tamara, to the podcast. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I love talking with you. I love talking with you. And for the listeners to know, we've just been chatting for a half an hour already before we even hit record, <laughs> just checking in with each yeah. other and seeing how each other yeah. was doing, feeling, and going over the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, which I'm really excited about. I know you're excited about. I am. I'm so excited. I, I love I, I love what we're going to be talking about today because I think this is the stuff where people can go, okay, I'm starting to get the picture. So just to kind of give you all a quick, in a nutshell, kind of recap of what we're going to talk about is we're going to be looking at ADHD again. And if you haven't listened to our first interview together, I would, you don't have to have listened to that one first before listening to this one, feel free to listen to this one and then go back to the other one. Uh, but definitely check the other one out as well, because Tamara, you share just amazing information about ADHD. What is it? What does it look like in the brain? And how does it express itself and how all of the things, I mean, I was just looking back at the outline from that first conversation and it was really impactful for me personally. And I'm really grateful for you for that. And I had to listen to it. You know, when I'm sitting here with you and I'm doing the interview, like I'm present with you and I'm listening to what you're saying, obviously, but I'm also like having to navigate, like, is it still recording? What's the sound going on? <laughs> over here. Uh, where are we on the outline? So, you know, I can't like fully take in everything completely. So I had to go back and listen to our talk. And I remember I was sitting on my back deck, listening to our conversation. And I was just feeling so seen. And parts of me just felt really validated. And yeah, just I really appreciated the, our conversation and how you described ADHD. And as I shared with you, things from my experience in my life, I felt safe to do that with you. And oh, so I'm just, so glad. Yeah. Thank you so you much. Know, I, you know, that is really, it's why I wrote my book. It's why I run the ADHD center. I, I really want people who have a neurological difference just to feel seen and to go, Oh, there is a reason why I, things are harder for me. Yeah. I'm not dumb. I'm not lazy. I'm just different. Yeah. And I, I really want people to know that and to be seen. So thanks mm -hmm. for sharing that. Yeah. Well, you definitely, you definitely provide that safe space and that opportunity for people who have a neurological difference to feel seen and validated and all of that. And I've gotten a great response from the listeners, from other practitioners in the field who work with people who have ADHD, who are doing ADHD assessments. 
there's just so many people that are really grateful for that first conversation that we had. And so hopefully this one, the listeners find to be just as, or maybe even more impactful based on what we'll be talking about today. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Okay. So how and why does someone develop ADHD? Let's start there. Okay. This is a very unsatisfactory answer. No (laughs) one knows. Okay. I can tell you, I can tell you some hints we have. Okay. Let's start there. Um, And the research is coming in that pretty strong. Barkley um, has really led this kind of charge when he says that if you have a parent with ADHD, if you have a father with ADHD, he is likely to have 80% likely to have a child with ADHD. If you have a mother, and by the way, he even goes higher sometimes Mm -hmm. um, in his estimates. I think he says 80 to 90. But if we have a mother with ADHD, you have a 60 to 70%. Now, for your listener, don't take, don't quote those because all this information is still coming in. Here's the thing I want you to pay attention to, though. In medicine, people pay attention to 0.1. That means 10%. If you have a 10% chance of inheriting something, doctors are all up in arms about it. Mm. We know it's at least 0.5, which means, holy cow, is there a hereditary component here? Oh, yeah. So even though I can't say why, I'm in the camp of, let's just look at our mom and dad and call it call it good now we do know that there's environmental things okay we're right at the precipice of being able to describe ADHD differently in the past we've had to describe it behaviorally Mm -hmm. now we're able to describe it by looking at the brain right and of course the DSM you and I both agree is woefully behind yeah so so we're just talking about we're we're in this like in between gap right now. And so I think in the next few years, ADHD will be renamed. I think we'll just look at it as a hereditary issue. Hmm. However, there's some people that have ADHD-like symptoms because maybe there was lead in their household, right? Maybe there was trauma. Maybe, you know, there's all these environmental things that can come in and look like ADHD. See, in the past, we called that ADHD. So right. we're right at the we're right at the area era where we can kind of start to sift it out. Yes, and that's and we're right at the precipice. Okay, yeah, and that's what I'm excited to get more into today is talking about at this point in time as we're talking, and you know I, what we have available to us at this point in time in terms of research and and right. assessments and all that how we can look at ADHD coming from the neurological standpoint and trauma, toxins, things like right. that. Yeah. That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah. So the the or- overwhelming thing is uh, point that I want to make is it's complicated. Hmm. And so we're going to get into some of the complications, but even the best research can't fully extricate all the different, all the different, things that could contribute to ADHD. Right. And can someone have like all of those, meaning 
someone can have like a dopamine issue. Someone could have been exposed to toxins like mold and lead and stuff when they were kids. And <laughs> and then they also had trauma in their household, right? I mean, so, you know, I'm going to take a risk and I'm just going to tell you a theory that I've been following. Um, Dotson, uh, Bill Dotson uh, is kind of has put this theory out there. His theory proposes that there's those of us who have sensitive nervous systems and we have sensitive nervous systems because of how our brains are wired. Those sensitive nervous systems often get confused. And so and let me go back and just quickly review. When you have ADHD, you tend to rely not on your prefrontal cortex right behind your forehead, that kind of rational butler that says, here are your keys, here's your day. It's like having Siri for the brain, right? Yeah. We don't have that. We tend to rely on the limbic center deep inside our brain, which is, um, I hate what people call it, um, the primitive part. Cause I'm like, dude, I depend on that primitive part because <laughs> a basic part of our brain that that's consumed with survival. And what we know is people with ADHD, we rely on the limbic center, fight, flight, freeze, appease, and right. so on. What if, because of all the information comes in, our bodies get confused. Mm. And so Dodson is saying, hey, I, I think, I think there's something out there that we have a different nervous system. Now I'm also coupling with this with anecdotal information. Um, I have a really good friend in Grand Rapids, Warren Mason, who specializes in ADHD. He's an MD. Years ago, he said to me, you know, the only thing that all of my patients have in common is they have some sort of allergies. Oh, now think about that. Now he said this, I want to say like nine, 10 years ago. Okay. Now we know a lot about the nervous system. We know about inflammation yes. and research is coming out supporting this saying those with ADHD have different gut biomes. Oh my gosh. Those with ADHD have low lying um, inflammation. This makes so much and sense this is, for me. <laughs> this is real research. I'm not just like, you know, looking at voodoo doctors or whatever, like, no, this is real science that's coming out. Wow. So I tend to think ADHD is like an inherited neurological difference that makes us pay less attention, but a ton of attention at the same time. Exactly. Right. It's we're overwhelmed. Yes. Okay. So as you're describing that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. So much sense because I, again, I'm reflecting on my personal experience and Gut issues have always been an issue for me. I've never been diagnosed with like irritable bowel or something like that. But I mean, it's it's enough issues to where, you know, I have manager parts within me that are like, let me make sure I always have a kaopectate bottle with me just in case, you know, because I can eat something and my body is just like, nope. And it just inflames. And so, and especially after giving birth to my son, I know the body changes yep. and maybe even like in increases yep. things, I think maybe yeah. even too, in terms of maybe like sensitivities and, and changes and all that with hormones. But ever since I gave birth, because when I was pregnant, I 
had issues with my blood sugar regulation and I had to eat high protein, low carb. I was testing my blood sugar. I had it taken. I, I was able to control it with food, which was nice. I didn't have to use medication and I felt really good. I gave birth and then I started eating exactly how I used to eat. And I started experiencing like muscle aches, joint aches, uh, irritable bowel stuff again, um, brain fog. Oh my gosh. I mean, and so then I started seeing a functional medicine doctor and she was like, Hey, what if you try the elimination diet just to see what, what foods and, and, you know, categories of foods maybe are inflaming. And one of the big ones for me that I've discovered is gluten. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so everything you're saying, by the way, um, I mirror your story, um, except now I add mold toxicity to it. Yes. Um, I, okay. Back. There's a time when I just did all my home activities. And so I tore up a bathroom floor that was poorly installed. It had aspergillus. I didn't have a mask on because I'm like, nah, mold, whatever. I had um, allergic responses after that. And that was like the downhill from there. Yeah. See, other people might come into contact with mold and their body's like, no, thank you, sir. And send it packing. And I think what we're finding a lot of ADHD people don't have that gating system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing a lot of my clients who have um, ADHD, have thyroid issues, have gut issues. And gut issues are very interesting because that's where serotonin starts. Yes. In the stomach. That's where like the right? majority of serotonin is. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, I'm seeing these patterns in my clients. And I think what happens is, we're in a modern world that we're ill-adapted to. Mm. I'm not saying it, that the, the world's wrong or we're wrong. I'm saying the matchup is often wrong. Yeah. I cannot eat like a standard American. If I did, I would have diabetes. And yep. I know this for a fact because I have to work hard not to. Mm-hmm. Um, I My ADHD would be just out of control. The inflammation would be ridiculous. As it is... I, I kind of get a little bit indignant because I'm like, I work so hard for my health and these people just go out and eat whatever they want. Yeah. And, and if you're listening and you think you have ADHD, I think that's one of the side effects that we do have to work harder to be okay in our environment. Right. And so what environment are we most okay in? I hate to say it, usually nature. That's well, okay. That's just what was in my mind. Yeah. No, it it doesn't mean you have to go into the middle, you know, you don't have to move to Montana and move to the mountains. Um, Some of my clients, it's the ocean for them. Other clients, it's the desert. Like it doesn't have to be a wilderness experience. You sat on your back deck. That's nature, you know? Yes. I'm assuming you have trees and. Oh yeah. And you can hear the birds and insects and there's like bunnies and deer, you know, walking back there. And it just brings me so much groundedness and calm. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I, it's yeah. the sound of running water. Yeah. So when I say nature, you know, a lot of people are like, ew, nature bugs. No, I'm not talking like going out, you know, <laughs> full of grizzly atoms. You don't have to do that, but you could. Um, a, a lot of my clients just find that they're more at peace 
Yes. Um, with nature, natural elements. Yeah. And so as you were describing how maybe people with ADHD in the modern world don't necessarily gel so great, I was in my, the back of my mind, I was getting images of like us as humans before all of this modern stuff. And we were just yeah. living on the land and out in nature all the time and foraging yeah. and hunting. And I just felt this sense of like in that back of my mind <laughs> feeling and and memory maybe, you know, of calmness and groundedness. Yeah. yeah. And peace. There, uh, one of my, one of my friends um, who's also an MD in uh, ADHD, he jokes, he goes, you know, sometimes I think those of us with ADHD, uh, we were stuck in between the two brains because, you know, humans develop different brains along the way. And the most modern brain has a fully functional prefrontal cortex to kind of minimize energy because mm -hmm. there came a time where um, the brain grew too big and couldn't feed it to keep it alive and took us all this time to keep it, just stay alive. And so the, this new modern brain with a prefrontal cortex won out. Because sometimes I just think we're caught between the two brains. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, huh, wow. It's really sad to be lagging behind. In that case. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm just saying that yeah. joking. Um, <laughs> but also, I don't know. I mean, I find a part of me also right now is like, it's also beautiful. Like, yeah. yes, there are challenges very much so. And I feel like if you can bring some self-awareness to this, right. And I know for me, as we're having this conversation, I'm, I'm feeling that like compassion within yeah. myself and that grace of where I might feel overstimulated and other, and other things in this modern world. And also knowing what helps my system feel that peace and groundedness. Okay. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And not in there's awareness and acceptance. So there's times <clears throat> I'm just running around, you know, I wake up artificially, not to sunlight, but to this beep, beep right. sound, which is really annoying, but it does wait to do the job. And I'm just running. I, you know, I'm not, I'm out of sync with nature. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet there's times I just stop and go, Hey, wait a minute. I'm ill suited for this lifestyle, but this is my life right now. So I'm going to do the best I can. And this weekend, I'm going to make sure I get some nature time. Yes. Oh, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm just ill suited for it. And by the way, nature time could just mean running water for someone. Mm -hmm. The sound of trickling water soothes a lot of my clients. There's something in us that craves this natural. And when I say old, I'm talking like 3000 years old yeah. way of life. Right. Yes. That's what I was envisioning in my mind was yeah. almost like these, you know, we living in caves and yeah, just being completely connected to nature and yeah. the hardships that of course come with that, but also the simplicity. And again, just the peacefulness. Simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was talking about. Um, so there was um, a group um, in El Cacique the, in the Dominican Republic that uh, my church was um, connected to. And there were a couple orphans that their mom died suddenly of AIDS. I happened to be kind of in between situations. And I had a friend who was a pilot who said, hey, I can get you down there. You can fly my buddy pass. So I flew down there to take care of some orphans for a couple of weeks just to get the situation 
while others said, I didn't do much but babysit. Okay. So I'm not trying to make it this grand thing. I pretty much babysat. Um, but they lived in a ghetto. Like if you had a cement block house, you were the luxury houses, mm. right? Everything else was kind of corrugated lean twos. And I, I took care of these kids. Um, I didn't stay there at night because it just would have been safe for a woman to stay there, especially a foreign woman. But as I took care of these children, um, you know, we'd have smushed yucca every day. Yeah. And we would, I would play sitting on the ground with them and we'd make rocks into toys and, mm-hmm. you know, very basic. And I lived for th- two or three weeks. I can't even remember, but so connected. Mm. Right. I didn't have air conditioning. Um, the house I went back to did have electricity, um, but the water was um, gravitational water, meaning it filled from from the roof and fell down through the house. Right. So it was just so, so much simpler. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling very grounded coming back. Yeah. I missed my family. I wanted to get back to my family. But I remember going, wow, this is. Now, their living in poverty wasn't a good thing for them. I'm not suggesting that. Right. But I'm saying for me to return to just very simple every day, rising with the sun, eating simply, it was it was really um, grounding for me. Yes. And simplicity is something that I feel like has been my word lately within myself. And, you know, it's interesting because I I can have parts of me that like to buy things and almost kind of <laughs> hoard things. Yeah. And and now having a son who's three and a half and loves toys, you know, various things. I might yeah. see something out and I'll pick it up, you know, because I, I just yeah. want to give him this little gift. But then I look around my house and I start to feel overwhelmed because yeah. there's toys everywhere and there's right. stuff everywhere. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not even using you know, three fourths of this stuff and it's right. just there. And it feels again, overstimulating to me. Yep. Claustrophobic. My, yeah. Claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, so yeah, lately I've just have felt that, that kind of drive to, I'll focus on one area at a time and I'll start to, you know, go through stuff and I'm like, okay, simplify, simplify. So, okay. So th- you just kind of illustrated the tension of an ADHD brain because living in the modern world, we're like, cool, cool, cool. More, more, more. Let's do it. Let's go here. Let's do this. Let's do this. And let's buy this. Let's it's, it's the dopamine hits that we like. Yeah. And yet we're like, Oh, this doesn't feel good in the end. Right. And, And so the tension is I'm hungry for it. And it's not the diet I should have. Yes. Oh, I love how you just put that. And that makes so much sense because even just like yesterday, I went to the grocery store and they have this one little tiny little section with like these cute little stuffed animals. And my son loves dinosaurs right now. And they had a dinosaur one. And I just like, I was like parts of me so badly. Like I felt excited with the idea of like buying it and then like giving it to my son and his like reaction. And then I stood there and I was like, but then it's just going to be there. And yeah, he's not going to continue to have that. And I'm not going to continue to have that type of reaction right. every time he sees that dinosaur. 
you know, he's three and a half. He'll look at it. He'll get excited for about an hour or so. And then it's right there in the pile (laughs) of everything else. So can I just share um, something about this? Because I, I hear a lot of parents with ADHD. I'm not saying you do or don't have ADHD. I'm but okay with. Par- I'm okay with. Okay. Yeah. With okay, that. Okay. Cool. Um, but I have a lot of parents describe that. Like, I love giving my kid things because guess what? I get a secondhand dopamine hit. Mm. I get to watch their dopamine. Yeah. And um, I just thought about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, my daughter, who's now 27, said, "Hey, mom." You know what I just realized? She goes, some of my favorite nights were when you would call girls night, girls movie night. And I always made up weird stuff like that all the time. And we would put a blanket down on the ground and eat pizza sitting in front of our TV. Yeah. Okay. And she goes, well, now I just realized you were really tired and that's all you had energy for. But she goes, those were some of my best memories. Mm. She goes, I thought it was fantastic. And so I encourage parents um, to kind of think creatively to do things like girls pizza night. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what creates good memories. It's also, you're not buying more stuff, but you're kind of like creating these relational bonds mm-hmm. too. Because even though we'd watch a movie, we'd sit around talking, like... It, it was all over pizza. Yeah. And the truth is it was Friday and I was super tired, but, sure. um, but it created memories. Mm-hmm. And so something I tell ADHD parents to do is why don't you like have adventure days or special nights or whatever? Yeah. Cause that's what our kids really remember. Yes. Instead of the toy dinosaur. Right. And I, I, I love that you said adventure days. Cause I find that that's something that I've just naturally been saying to my son and my husband, I'm like, let's go yeah. on an adventure. And it, yeah. it'll be like just going to the backyard and like walking down our hill and like, let's see what's yeah. down there. Are there bugs? Are there, you know, are there flowers and plants? And yeah. And, and that's just so I, I, this is making again, so much sense to me that for me, that stuff is a dopamine activator. Yep. Yes. And it can be through those pizza nights and going outside and calling in an adventure. And it can also be through buying him stuff, but that right. doesn't necessarily, you know, because in the long run, it leads to more clutter, which activates my nervous system even more with anxiety and, oh, you know, right. yep. all of that and spending money on things that, like I said, he's going to play with for like maybe a day. Yeah. Oh, you know, I love what you just, how you define adventure days. They're cheap. You don't have to spend money. Disneyland is not an adventure day. In fact, <laughs> yes, that's an overwhelm hell. Okay. Yes. Oh, For we just took, we just us. took our son to, to King's Island. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, it was, I looked at my husband at one point and I said, why do they have such loud music playing? <laughs> Like, why? why? I mean, yeah. it even our son, I mean, he's also we can tell he he has also a sensitive system and he was just like uh this is way like so way long. too much, yeah. you know, but and there were some things that he found enjoyable there, but you know, it was definitely one of those moments where we were like, okay, you know, maybe we'll try this again in a couple of years, but this was an experiment. You know, you know what my husband did one time and I, 
it's just, he just, you know, comes up with these ideas. Um, the girls were younger. Uh, no, actually two were kind of middle school, high school and kind of were too cool for this, but he, he made it work anyway. It was a winter night with a full moon and he made hot chocolate and I forget what he did, but somehow uh, we walked around this lake and we stopped, we built a little fire and we roasted marshmallows and made s'mores, drank hot chocolate. And then we walked the rest of the way around the lake. And it was like this nighttime extra extravagant little journey. Right. That and how so nice. it was simple and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was a good memory for the girls. Yeah. And so it was, it was one of those kind of delightful moments. Yes, absolutely. And I also, as we're talking about this, I'm curious your thoughts on, do you feel like food can also be a dopamine activator? <laughs> <laughs> can it? <laughs> so there's two ways um, that food can interact with us. One, there's sometimes that I'm like, Hey, listen, I deserve French fries right now because I was a big girl all day and all I want is French fries, right? That's an emotional kind and I'm going to get dopamine from doing that. It's short-lived. There's another kind that we do and I don't, I'm not a functional medicine doctor. I don't know this fully, but we're drawn to foods that we're actually allergic to. Yes. Oh yeah. Because they'll give us an adrenaline rush. Mm. Well, adrenaline is is really close to the dopamine feel. Yes. And so a lot of us literally eat foods that we're allergic to. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. I can completely, I completely, yes, understand that. Because I will find that I I feel like I, I parts of me are, are like dairy is something for me, like gluten and dairy, oh, high inflammation for me. But I oh will, God. parts of me will be like, oh, let's go get, Let's go to Chipotle and get a big old cup of their queso and like a big old pile of their cheese. And I know, I know that is going to inflame my body for days, for days. Yes. Not just just, in the moment. Let's be honest with that. Yes. And sometimes you don't feel it until a couple days later. I want to say that too, because that's something I didn't really understand until recently that, yeah, that our inflammation can be kind of the slow burn. And then, and then that makes it confusing because we're like, wait, what caused this? You know? So anyway, but yeah, absolutely. I, and you saying that (laughs) makes sense because it's on the days because I've tried to bring more self-awareness to when I'm finding myself wanting the queso. And it's typically on days where I'm feeling maybe stressed out or, um, maybe even, yeah, bored or just, <laughs> you <laughs> yep, know, that's legit. Yeah, that checks out. So like, yeah. as you're saying that it's like, oh, it's kind of like an adrenaline rush within our body because, well, it doesn't like it. <laughs> I mean, right. it's causing inflammation, but at the same time, maybe our nervous system and what it's doing, it's, it's like you said, kind of confusing. Yeah. Not really. Under- exactly okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, so a lot of my clients, so can we talk about the natural aspect just a quick second about yeah. this? So something with my clients that I really want them to understand. And I try to say this kind of with a sense of humor so that they don't feel badly. I'm like, you are not made for this world. 
and the rules of our society don't apply to you. And so we have to understand like sugar is actually so detrimental to your health. Um, by the way, my kids would say when, especially when they were sick, that I would put them in a sugar-free prison. They'd yell that I was a sugar Nazi. One of them was like, get me out of this sugar-free Hades, you know, um, <laughs> because it does affect our immune system a lot. Um, so I'm not trying to wreck everyone's fun, but I do want to bring attention to, I mean, we live in a culture where sugar's in everything. Processed food, we don't do well with processed food. We don't do well with a standard American diet. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could get my ADHD clients to fully just kind of hold on to that. And, um, you know, I know you've heard of the whole 30, mm -hmm. my clients who kind of embraced that, that diet, they loved it. Guess what? They felt clearer. Yeah. And, and a lot of them said, you know, it's not that hard to eat like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I should add, I'm an ADHD person who is possibly the laziest person on earth when it comes to eating. I pretty much want to be a baby bird and fed food. Okay. I'm, I'm so lazy. And so that means I'm not chopping vegetables. What the heck is that? Mm -hmm. Bridge too far, people. Um, <laughs> by the way, my, my big hack is to go to Costco, buy the pre-made salads, not pre-made, but they're chopped up. You just add them right. together yeah. and eat a bag of those for dinner. Cause that's, I'm like, someone else did the chopping. Please don't any listener contact me and tell me that's not good. I can't handle it right now. <laughs> that's my hack. Um, but I am a lazy eater and a lot of us with ADHD are lazy eaters. Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to eat healthy, but healthy food kind of requires some kind of preparation. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm tapping out at that right now. Yeah. I mean, when my husband home, um, isn't home and is traveling, I eat like a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. I'll stand at the counter and eat carrots and hummus. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's dinner. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like he, he actually prepares a plate, sits down. And I know not all ADHD people are like this, but. Right. So, so we have to keep, pay attention to our bodies because mm -hmm. we are sensitive. Yeah. Thank you so much for going into that because I wasn't even expecting us to go into that, but that was just such a gift. So, so grateful for you sharing that information. And let's also talk about how can we, I guess, determine, are there ways to determine if someone has ADHD, either let's say in general, but also like from dopamine versus like emotional trauma or even toxins, right? All these things that we're talking yeah. about, because I know there's been a lot more stuff happening with like using MRIs, EEGs, spec scans. Mm -hmm. And, and then the more traditional ways have been like through, um, paper verbal assessments, right. Asking people historical questions and, um, yeah. testing their executive functioning skills. And so, yeah, can we get into how can we, we can. And, uh, so again, this is complicated. Okay. Um, and what got, got me off on this tangent was, um, I really think there's a strong hereditary and we have sensitive nervous systems. When we come back to that, then trauma, we start to ask the, we, we start to ask the and question, is this trauma? Is, is there actual trauma that this person has been, you know, exposed uh, to, exposed to, thank you. I couldn't read 
recall that word, um, exposed to? Um, and is there a family history of ADHD-like symptoms? Mm. Um, for example, uh, if you have family history of alcoholism, especially in older generations, that was a sign of untreated ADHD. Oh, interesting. So we can we can go back and ask, really, don't, don't just ask, do your parents have ADHD? Because maybe they weren't even diagnosed. Right. But we can say, <clears throat> are these things in your family? And we can make some good guesses about ADHD. Mm-hmm. So no one in my family was diagnosed, but I can trace the ADHD-like symptoms back three generations, right? Yeah. My grandfather didn't finish grade school. Um, he stopped at sixth grade and went to work in a mine. And by the way, he was left-handed. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big sin too back then. <laughs> so he was left-handed, most likely ADHD, very intelligent later in life was able to become an engineer because those were the times back then. Yeah. But you see, like we could trace it back if we ask questions very carefully. And the other thing is we need to understand if ADHD is present or likely to be present, then if someone has trauma or complex trauma, like this ongoing low level inflammation, Mm -hmm. right? Well, then that gentle, sensitive nervous system is going to be very susceptible to that trauma. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not clear. And I'm just going to be really honest. We're not really good at finding ADHD right now. If you're a high-functioning female, good luck. I just met with a young woman who's very smart, has her act together. She's like, listen, I know I have ADHD and I know I need help because these are the areas and I can go farther if I get this help. Right. And a psychologist said, you don't have ADHD. It's not interfering with your life. Oh, wow. And she's like, I beg to differ, sir. <laughs> and so <laughs> she's seeking. The, well, and I know, opinion. and I know that's something we kind of, we touched on, I think a lot in our first conversation, right? Cause I recall you saying something like, especially as women, we can utilize in an IFS term, we would say probably like these manager parts get activated that are like, okay, I am right. going to be really managing all of this with anxiety right. and, you know, these motivators that yep. can down the line turn into maybe anxiety issues or OCD issues, things like that. Yep. But it's ways to help us function and to be high functioning. And I was resonating with that for me as a woman and I've gone to graduate school. I'm a licensed therapist. I have a practice and a podcast. So, I mean, like I I'm functioning and I'm doing these things, but at what cost, but at what cost. Right. And that's where I really appreciated you saying that in our first conversation. And now again, because right. I feel like there's still this, would you say stigma or this image of what ADHD looks like quote unquote. And if like you said, that woman walking in there and the psychologist looking at her being like, no, you don't have it. Right. And she's like, but there is something, there's something there that is yeah, like this undercurrent. My brain's not right. Right. Like <laughs> that's what she said. My brain's not right, Tamara. Um, so, you know, I, I want to get, you know, this young woman didn't have a history of trauma. So she could show up and say, Hey, listen, I have a neurological difference and I know it. Hmm because I'm out of step with my peers. Some of us who've had a history of trauma 
show up and go, I'm just a hot mess and I can't figure out why. Yeah. I'm emotionally dysregulated. I have incredible shame. I have this and this. And is it trauma or is it ADHD? And so for those cases, first of all, I I don't know how you feel about this as a therapist. I have a strong bias. I don't believe we can get to trauma through talk therapy. Mm-hmm. That's why I love. Like, that's why I love IFS. Yep, trauma. Yes, trauma gets is located so deep in our brain in the survival part, right? That fight, flight, the amygdala, the limbic center. It it's lodged there, and that part doesn't have, um, and you know this doesn't have any verbal ability. That's mm. not where we form thoughts. It's just basic instincts like fear, revolt. Um, and so if we're going to treat that, we I, IFS, um, EMDR uh, is showing incredible promise mm-hmm. for that. Um, and so we want to be aware of the scars that we have and the scars that we've he- that have healed and the scars that haven't healed. Yeah. And so we want to be aware of that. Um, I have a preference though. If you have trauma, treat the ADHD because the ADHD being treated is going to help you access the trauma and yes. process it more effectively. Absolutely. And so, you know, we we do an order of operations here. Mhm. I'll share just, you know, the, yeah, the people that I've worked with where there is clearly trauma in their, in their history and they have these ADHD symptoms when they've gone and been assessed by someone, you know, officially. And they're like, yes, we'd say you have ADHD. Uh, that's where you know, I've made the recommendation to certain people that I'm seeing if if I don't feel like we're able to get to the stuff using, you yeah. know, what I do with as a therapist with IFS, I'm like, there's something like there's just again, like, yeah, their system is so maybe activated exactly because of maybe both, both trauma yeah. and ADHD underlying, you know, causes. And then when they've gone and been assessed, and then they decide maybe to take a medication. Yeah. Then for some of those people, they come back in and they're like, I can do this now. Yes. Let's go for it. You know, I can face it. I can face it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it's a, here's kind of a brief ex- explanation of what I think happens. Um, in treatment, in this case, we're talking about medication. And I want to be clear, neither you nor I are pushing medication Correct. We're not in love with big pharma, but the fact is stimulants work for 80% of our population. With ADHD. Um, I, with ADHD, yes. Um, there's a huge caveat there. Not all stimulants are the same for your body. So what stimulant might work for someone may not work for someone else. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned before that um, a lot of people are contacting you saying, hey, someone prescribed... Was it Adderall? It's Adderall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Adderall is a, I think it's like a second generation drug. And I, I even want to put it in the first, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Which that, that means is it's really old and it's the best we had a while ago. 
Mm-hmm. And what happens is, if you think of your brain as a loaf of bread, and your goal is to nicely slice the bread, mm-hmm. right? We want to find the knife that slices the bread the nicest. Mm-hmm. Can you get that image in your head? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes when people take Adderall, and they're like, ugh, Adderall hurts my brain. That doesn't mean all stimulants don't work. That means Adderall is like an axe trying to cut oh. the loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I know, pretty dramatic, right? Yeah, that's an intense image, yes. <laughs> I know, but if you've taken Adderall and it doesn't work for you, it really fits because mm. you're like, you're wonky. You're like, this is, I hate this. I'm agitated. I, yeah. I, I'm mad at people. Well, that's because you're using an axe to cut a slice of bread. That doesn't mean all stimulants work like an axe. Okay. It means we haven't found the correct knife to beautifully cut. How many stimulants are out there? Many, many, many. Really? Yes. Okay. And, you know, they fall into the, the, you know, kind of neat categories, but even my clients, and I say many, 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 because, you know, yeah, they fall into the categories, but my clients are so sensitive that if they get the off-brand or the generic version of their Concerta, and it has five sides instead of the normal six sides of their generic, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. I'm going nuts. Mm. And their pharmacist just switched them because the pharmacist didn't think like it mattered. Okay. That's how sensitive we are. Remember going back to our sensitive nervous system. Right. So just because... You didn't find the right stimulant. doesn't mean stimulants don't work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And it makes sense. Yeah, it um, does make sense. It does make sense. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just not as familiar. I wasn't, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist and I, I don't have a lot of knowledge regarding medications. And so, you know, there's things that I read about and hear about and, you know, maybe have personal experience with. And so to hear that there are many other options of stimulants, I think that's good to know because- you know, the big ones that you hear are like Adderall and yep. is Ritalin still a thing? Uh, well, see, and that's the OG, right? Yeah, that's the, <laughs> I mean, that is the true ax to cut the, right. Um, and yet I have some clients who are like, yeah, Ritalin's just fine for me. It's cheap and it works. Okay. I'm like, are you serious? Like I would be going bonkers. And they're like, but it no, works for their it's brain great for me. Exactly. Yeah. And so we just have to find the right knife to cut the bread in the right way without right. mangling the piece right. of bread. So I, a part of me right now was like, wait, I want to go back a little bit, kind of rewind a little bit real quick, because I want to keep talking about medication stuff and kind of going back to like the MRI and the EEG thing. Is there, would you say, a way for someone to utilize those modalities along with the traditional form of ADHD assessments yes, that you think would be helpful for someone? Yes. So where we are at right now in diagnosing ADHD, we look at things as pieces of information, not definitive diagnosis. So if you have an EEG, you look at the report and, you know, you usually the report comes with intensive feedback. You look at it as like, oh, these are pieces to my puzzle. Okay. okay. Um, in my office, we uh, do a test called the QB test, and it assesses 
um, attention, um, your distractibility, you know, just the, the kind of obvious things with ADHD that doesn't diagnose Mm. it's pieces of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. emotional regulation, which really goes over overlooked a lot of times. That's a piece of the puzzle. And so we need to stop the simplistic yes, no, we need to go, okay, do I have enough pieces to draw the conclusion that I have ADHD? Right. So would there ever be, what would it look like if you were to meet with someone and you would ask them all these questions and do these assessments? Maybe you did some of those EEGs, MRIs where you would, you could, and again, this is, I think a part of me being like, how can we for sure see if someone has this based on just trauma or ADHD, right? Would there be a case where you were like, you know what? I really think that this person's based on their experiences and whatnot. This is, this is stemming from trauma or complex trauma, emotional trauma versus, Hey, I think you have a neurological condition. Yeah. Um, So an EEG would be helpful in that case. I would pair that with um, an understanding of the trauma. Uh, let's say, uh, this is kind of an old example, but in Sudan, uh, there were the Lost Boys. Um, I don't know if you remember about the Lost Boys. Vaguely. This is a huge, huge group of boys who ran for their lives hundreds of miles. And they ran through rivers where they were eaten by, you know, some of them were eaten by crocodiles. I mean, it's traumatic. Oh gosh, yeah. And a lot of the Lost Boys landed in the U.S., Um in our area, we had some um, who were adopted and brought in. Well, <laughs> these these young men, um, I, I taught a few of them when I was a, a college professor, would come to class and say, Dr. Rozier, I have no idea how to manage time. I need to learn how to manage time. That is a great case of them having complex trauma. I mean, they were they were parentless running for their lives, trying to survive. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, a lot of them were seven, eight, nine years old when they were doing this. Right. And so once they're given, they're missing parts and they need parts to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, that is such a clear case in the U S in the clients I see, it's just usually not that clear. Right. Because the trauma, well, why do you have the trauma? Well, if a hurricane came and took my house away and my family and I were homeless, that could just mean ADHD, but it could be, well, my dad was an alcoholic. He hit my mother. My mother, you know, was addicted. And so I'm thinking, is there an ADHD background? Mm-hmm. Do you see how complex? So, um, so the hurricane, so, I think you, cause you said that was, that could just be ADHD, but I think, did you mean that could, ju- that could be trauma? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that okay. exactly. Thank just you wanted to make sure. That. Okay. Yep. Whoopsies. Thank you. So, so what I'm saying is it's so muddy. Right. Um, so here's, here's the, instead of trying to pull it all apart, I try to pull apart and remember, I am not a psychologist. I don't do the diagnostics, uh, at the ADHD center, we try to pull apart and go, what can we look at that we would call ADHD? Okay. And how can we get the system balanced before we start to understand the trauma. Okay. That makes and sense. So, so that's, and by the way, you know, we don't like to say this, but sometimes we're just not sure. We're like, well, let's try a stimulant. 
if you have a good response to a stimulant, we know that you have ADHD. So that was my next question, right? Is because I feel like that's an experiment, exactly what you're saying of. Unfortunately, if, yes. Yeah. Like if you take this. And so could you describe how would someone feel if they take a stimulant and it's, it is a dopamine issue? Oh, yes. How do they feel? Okay. It's beautiful. Um, I, I love when my clients actually find the thing. Now, not all my clients can find the right one. Okay. But in, in, and yet I know they have ADHD, but they still can't find the right thing. You said about 20% of people with ADHD maybe can't find a stimulant. Uh, I would say in my practice, there's only like 5%. Okay. But um, because then you kind of include the non-stimulants and trying to resolve their issues. But there are a few. But uh, it's this beautiful feeling. Um, I wish you're, I'm going to use my fingers and I'm going to try to describe what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, to your listeners. Uh, my fourth grader felt it and she walked in and she goes, mom, my brain feels different. And she f- held up her fingers and kind of moved them all over the place quickly. She goes, normally my brain just feels like this. And she waved her fingers all around. And then she put her fingers together and drew out a line mm. and said, mom, now my brain feels like this. And so the difference is it's like this, oh, I'm only hearing one voice at a time. Yeah, I I can still have the conversation. It's just a slow, it's not a ricocheting conversation. It's not five things going at once. It's just this, it's, it just gives you a fraction of a second to slow down. Mm. So here's what dopamine is. Um, If you imagined a (laughs) merry-go-round. Okay. By the way, you might think my metaphors are really stupid, but they are memorable. No, I enjoy them. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so if you imagine a merry-go-round in the prefrontal cortex, it, this is the dopamine merry-go-round. The idea is to have the right amount of riders per horse going around on the carousel. Well, those of us with ADHD, sometimes we don't have enough riders. We're like, wait, we need more riders. And what I'm doing is really grossly simplifying uh, what uh, dopamine attaching to certain things in your brain. So I'm grossly simplifying this, but we don't have enough riders. Uh And so we're like, wow, maybe I need French fries to get some riders. Uh Right. We go for a dopamine hit. Yeah. Right. Clearly I'm thinking about French fries today. Um, (laughs) Sometimes we have too many riders and they're jam packed and it's causing the carousel to not work appropriately. Right. Right. So what medication does, it says everyone single line, you one ticket per rider, get on, fill the horse, get off. Okay. And it just creates that order in your brain. Yeah. When I am on a stimulant, I swear I hear, I, I read a lot of science fiction. It's like when those magical clocks just all of a sudden click into place and every, the music goes off, but it's great. It's not chaos. It's just like click mm-hmm. and everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, well, I'll be getting some work done. I'm not a maniac. I'm not thinking 10 things. I'm just kind of calm. Like, yeah. all right, I got this. Okay. And I can tell when my stimulant wears off because the ricocheting comes back. Mm. When I say I hear voices, I'm not saying actual voices. They're just like all these thoughts. They're all the parts, right? Other. All the yeah, parts. Just being like, like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, right. Okay. Some of them don't even speak English and I, I don't know what yeah. they're saying. Right. Right. It's okay. chaos in there. But, but the stimulant just helps me 
Oh, okay. Just one voice, please. Mm. Okay, good. I'll listen to that. Okay, you know. Yes. And it, it's just a calmer way to go. Okay. Let's then talk about, though, someone who doesn't have a dopamine issue and they're taking a stimulant. What does that look like? Yeah. So for them, um, it just hypes them up and it just kind of makes them feel wonky. You can tell if a stimulant's working or not working within one day of taking it. Of course, we don't say ju- don't judge that one day, you know, wait for a series and judge the series. But stimulants work immediately. Our meds actually bring us down. Let's talk about some other ways that yeah. people can address their ADHD symptoms. Let's get into that because I feel like that's okay. a question I'm getting more and more from people that I'm working with. Yeah. I know we've already talked a little bit about like diet. I know that's one. So first of all, if you have ADHD or you think you have ADHD, start to look into food allergies. We have sensitive nervous systems and we just can't digest everything. Uh, Like you, I can't digest dairy, gluten, and I'm even getting more tests done because I still have inflammation. So I'm just ruling out some other things, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, Um, If there were a silver bullet in this entire group, going to say it because a lot of us don't like the word, it's exercise. I personally don't like exercise. Yep. Moving the body. I personally don't like exercise, but I get exercise by telling myself it's not really exercise. So I love working in my yard. I love swimming. I love paddle boarding. I love walking around our lake. You know, that's what I do. Right. Okay. And I think that's the thing, right? It's like, it doesn't have to be called exercise because I think that carries a lot of stuff, carries a lot of baggage, but moving the body, just movement. For, for, in, for me, it it has to be meaningful ways. I have clients though, who they're like, I can't go a day without exercise. That's how I regulate my dopamine. And I'm like, God speed. That's awesome. (laughs) And they're the lucky ones. Um, The rest of us have to just trick ourselves into moving our body. Moving your body, especially in nature, is really magical for us. Mm, mm-hmm. So um, I used to mountain bike a lot. And then I was writing checks. My body couldn't cash because if you mountain bike at all, you know you fall a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I, my body's like, girl, we're old. Stop doing this nonsense. Mm. So um, I don't mountain bike as much anymore. But that was like, oh, man, that's such a dopamine rush. Yeah. So that's that's the that's a really incredible one. A lot of us eat way too many carbs. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, it's possible to eat too much protein. So let's not go extreme here. But really figure out how how much protein you should have per body weight and really focus on the protein. Try to eliminate the simple carbs. That's called sugar. Mm. And sugar, um, by the way, is literally addictive. It's literally addictive for the brain especially for ADHD brains, because we do get a quick, right. like, you know, kind of a high from it. And their ADHD brains like, hey, hey, do it again, do it again. So I always try to tell my clients, figure out what's best for your body and make simple, like just three simple rules for your body. So my simple rules for my body is I have a non-negotiable eight-hour sleep rule. Mm. And, you know, if I'm on a flight to like Europe, I'm going to have to negotiate with that one. Right. But I also know that I I have to treat myself special 
and get enough sleep. Because a lot of us with ADHD, our sleep cycles are reversed. Mm-hmm. And we don't do the deep cleaning cycle until the last cycle. So eight hours for me is like, nope, I'll stop whatever I'm doing. Checking out. Bye, guys. Eight hours of sleep for me. Yeah. Uh, my other rule is I need 45 minutes of, and I didn't do this all my life, but a true calm down right before bed. Mm. Um, for some people, it might be meditating. I do a lot of breathing exercises. I do some very slow yoga. I need 45 minutes to get my brain to slow down to sleep. And again, in the third one is this kind of um, umbrella is diet. If I don't put the right food in me, I'm a hot mess. Yeah. Um, And so those are my rules. They don't have to be your rules, Mm -hmm. but let's find your rules. So what it, what does your um, manual say about your body? My body works well when, and so I just try to get my clients to think about that. Yeah. I also try to get my clients to think about how do we supplement our body? Because uh, we know that about 80% of Americans um, have too little magnesium. Mm-hmm. Magnesium is incredibly important. It's a very cheap uh, supplement. And when I suggest it to parents, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. One way to check if you're low in, um, if you don't want to get blood tested and all that, is to take an Epsom salt bath. Just pour a ton of Epsom salt. If you feel like you've, you know, had a glass of wine, that's your body like sucking up all the magnesium. Yeah. You should probably get a supplement from that. Um, so the two magnesium supplements I recommend are magnesium comes in different forms. Mm-hmm. If you don't get the right form, you'll just go to the bathroom a lot. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got to have I'm starting to think, how do I say this in a grown-up term? <laughs> um, so Magnesium glycinate or magnesium threonate, T-H-R-E-O-N-A-T-E. Glycinate, uh, you know, here's here's how um, a lot of my clients smoke weed. So I've never really smoked weed. I don't know much about it, but they've made me an expert. Yeah. Um, They tell me there's two kinds of weed, the kind for your body, the kind for your mind. Mm. This is the same thing holds true for magnesium. Glycinate is for your body. It kind of calms down all the nerves and muscles. Three and eight crosses into the blood brain uh, area and it's very calming for your brain. And the research on three and eight is really intriguing. Yeah, you can look up um, magnesium three and eight. It's, It's very convincing research. Okay. So I recommend... EPA and DHA, that's fish oils. This isn't, by the way, this isn't new and sexy research. This is research that is three decades old, but we just know it to be true. The problem with fish oils is they are so contaminated these days. Mm. You've got to find a source that third-party tested, this is pure, we stand behind it. Right, okay. Krill, Krill oil is usually because they're such small little fish are less contaminated mm. because of that. But really, uh, ADHD brain is, we you may have already gathered, we have a hard time detoxing. Yeah. So let's not put more toxins in, right? Um, like heavy metals. There's a lot of good research about phosphat tilde styrene. 
that's a yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was the word that before we logged on, I was like, what is this word? Say it again. Yeah. Phosphate tilde syrie. And that is P-H-O-S. Oh, oh, we're going to go there. Okay. I think I can spell <laughs> well, it. Because I know for me as a listener, I'd be going, yeah. what? Like, what yeah, is that? Okay. okay. So listeners, I'm going to spell it the best I can. And Google's going to take care of the rest. Okay. <laughs> so it's P-H-O-S. P-H-A-T-I-L-D-Y-L. I have it as S-E-R-I-N-E. Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll find it. Okay. Okay. Guys, I got you halfway there. You can do the rest. Um, it here's what it is. Um, besides the spelling of it, it's a phospholipid. And phospholipids are incredible for the brain. The older you are, the more you may want to take it. But there's actually research on adolescent males giving them um, phosphate tilde syrie. And guess what? It calmed down their behavior. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so we have this research. It's, this is good research. And so it's, it's interesting. It's not going to harm you if you take it. It's not going to harm you if you give it to a child. And so I would highly recommend uh, taking that. Um, I take... I go the extra step. I take more phospholipids than that. There's different, I won't name them right now because I don't want to spell them or, you know, like to confuse it, but look into phospholipids. They're very important for the body, incredibly important for the brain and calming down inflammation. Okay. Wonderful. In the brain. So I I tend to go to those first and look at those. Um, by, By the way, vitamin D is also important. If you don't live in Florida, Texas, <laughs> some of the, um, you know, the Southern states, you probably aren't getting enough vitamin D. Right. Um, I live in Michigan. We're, we're crossing at Equinox where I literally cannot get vitamin D from the sun, yeah. from the angle of the sun. Mm-hmm. So I rely on vitamin D. Vitamin D is incredibly for the body, but it's linked to neurotransmitters. And so we've got to have good and it is you know linked to immune health blah 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 oh, yeah but for those of us with adhd we want to keep our vitamin d levels okay appropriate so i tend to look at those basic ones i know there's GABA, i know there's others but i try Correct. to get the basics in place first yeah that's so great thank you so much for going through those because those are things that people can try and yeah. you know if parts of them feel open to trying that. And if you, if you want to meet with your primary care provider first and get some blood work done or just get their opinion, yeah, yeah, definitely do that. And this, you know, again, like looking at food allergies, diet, movement of the body, uh, sleep hygiene, and these supplements. I mean, this is stuff that, that we can do. Yeah. Uh, But I do want to say as an ADHD person, I don't want to do any of it. Right. I just want to be really honest. Yeah. <laughs> because if your listeners like, full story, bro, I don't want to do any of that. I know. And I felt I that as go, I just I said that, you. like, like, oh, we can do those things. And I mean, like, we can do them physically. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, it doesn't always mean that we will do them. <laughs> right. But they are so, options. Yeah. So here's what I recommend. Just just fine. A lot of my clients, and they do this, it's, it's like they found Jesus. They're like, I'm going to change everything. 
Yeah. I'm like, that's just not going to work. Mm. You're just going to need to change one thing at a time. And so I just, I just asked them when we meet, what's the one thing you want to change? Because, you know, we have these beautiful divergent brains that can, I'm going to change everything at once, clean slate. And it's like, well, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just gave you a whole list of things. If phosphate tildesirene sounds fun because it's a multisyllabic word, great. Go try that. And by the way, I love it because it just gives me a fraction of a second to slow down. And it, it really is good for the brain. It's not going to harm you. It, it, it just feeds your brain. If you yeah. just want to try that, great. If you just want to try magnesium, try that. Yeah. If you're just like, no, I'm just going to commit to sleeping eight hours. Great. Right. Just start somewhere. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. This has been so, again, so much fun. Oh, I love, you're wonderful. I love like talking with you about this stuff and you're a wealth of knowledge <laughs> and well, information. You make it fun. And so as someone who has ADHD, I like talking to fun people. Oh, so thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you. And I know you're working on your book. And I think you told me last <laughs> yeah. time that that should be out a year from now. Correct? Yes. Um, I giggled because today I have to write literally the last chapter. Oh. Ah. Uh, my manuscript was due today. Okay. Uh, we're recording this set. Um, September 1 Mm -hmm. and whoopsies it's not quite done so (laughs) I'm wrapping it up and sending it off to the publisher well congratulations that's amazing so in a year from now it should be like out yes out 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 okay perfect well I will probably maybe have you on even before that again to talk about something else and but for sure I'm excited to have you on talk about your new book thank you i appreciate that all right well thank you again thank you listeners and i'll talk to you all next time bye